You know, it, it, it's interesting how um, certain things can really stir us up. I find it very appropriate today uh, that we encountered what we didn't mean in service. Uh, looks like a storm. Looks like, ah, just kind of puts a damper on things. Uh, Ken had the ability to do that. Uh, things going on in our lives, we sit around and we go, oh, why is this happening? I just want to, just uh, so um, you need to participate or I will call your name. Um, um, how many have said, God, why is this happening at some point? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? I wish I had a 12-foot tall step ladder. I'd climb to the top and raise my hand because I've done that numerous times. Now, let's stop. Let, let, let's move on to that. Why is this happening? Then, or not to yourself, but to God. And what possible good could come out of this? What possible good could come out of this? Lord, today speak to our hearts, prepare us, I pray, for God, you are good and greatly to be praised, because you work for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. What book are we in, folks? We're in the book of Acts chapter 8. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 8 with me real quick, and as soon as you get there... Uh, Let me have you say amen so I know you're there. Acts chapter 8. Now, um, last week we had Bible school closing, so we took a week off from Acts. Had a great week of Bible school. Now we're in the 4th of July weekend where many of our brothers and sisters are celebrating in other places, and we just thank the Lord for their lives as well. And I thank you guys uh, and thank the Lord for your lives as you're here. Jason Hendricks shared with us two weeks ago, uh, covering uh, Acts chapter 6, 7, and a small portion of 8, dealing with persecution. Who all was here uh, for that message? Dealing with persecution. Now, how many know that uh, persecution, um, we still don't really know what persecution is by the standards of what many have walked through, but how many know we certainly are in a society that is headed in a direction like, like what we've heard of persecution. How many know that? Okay. How many know that it takes more than just saying, Jesus, I die for you? It takes more than that. See, it takes more than just saying, um, I'll never, I will never, ever renounce the name of Jesus. But there's a big difference when you're placed in a situation where what you say can make or break that situation. And here's the thing. You can talk to the cows come home about what you will do and won't do, but unless you are leaning and being filled by and being empowered by and being led by the Holy Spirit, that's only going get you so far. So we can all talk. Wait, anybody remember Peter? I'll never let you. You don't go. I'll never let anything happen. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Because right now you're talking big stuff out of your own strength. You're talking big stuff out of your own flesh. You are no more prepared, Peter, to face persecution. What happened to Peter? Three times what happened. And that wasn't even persecution. They just said, hey, weren't you with me? Nope, not me. Hey, I thought I, nope, that wasn't me. Hey, nope, not me. I didn't even ask you a question yet. It was that quick. How quick 
And then think of the devastation he felt after, because he really believed, he really believed that he could do it in the face of persecution. The problem is, we can't. I want you to hear that right now. We can't. Outside the Holy Spirit, filling us, moving in us, empowering us, leading us, every one of us is going to fail in the face of persecution. What do you mean fail? You know, going to renounce the name of Jesus? No, maybe not that, but you're going to crumble hard. You're going to crumble really hard. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. I'm just going to start with those three verses at the beginning because Jason already covered them. But on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. Everybody say scattered. Throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, there's going to be a reason for that moment. Godly men buried Stephen, who of course was our first martyr, and mourned deeply for him. But Saul, who would soon become... Paul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Uh, is there anybody, just straw poll, and I like honest people, remember that, straw poll, who here is saying, you know, that would be a pretty scary time? Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with uh, with knowing that, wow, that's kind of scary, so without Jesus, I'm in trouble. Without the Holy Spirit leading me, I'm in trouble. Can we say that honestly and be okay? Yeah. But let's start here. And I'm going to try to move kind of quick today. I know we got fireworks to start setting up here. Especially those illegal ones that you guys go to North Carolina and Tennessee to pick up. It's joking. Oh, Casey's not here. <laughs> Just joking. Those who had been scattered. Here it comes now. Those who had been scattered, not the apostles, mind you, because we're the apostles. Everybody say Jerusalem. They're still there. But those who have been scattered preached the what? Wherever they went. You mean? Yes, I mean. Why did persecution start to come? Okay, guys. Let's start moving. Let's start moving. Hold up, God. You could have spoken to me in a dream and tell me to go somewhere. Why did you have to send persecution? Well, what persecution does? Do. Love. Is that right? What does persecution do? It weeds out those who are walking in their own strength and those who are walking in the strength of the Holy Spirit. How can you tell the difference? Usually the ones walking in their own strength are full of great boasts of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Or, on the flip side, they're comfortable what they're doing. Whereas the Holy Spirit, person being led by the Holy Spirit, is not always certain about where, when, how, but what they are certain about is who. Spiritful believers, I'm going to tell you what, arrogance is not part of it. Confidence is because they know who's leading them. But arrogance is in a part because they ain't got a clue. They're just going to roll with where the Lord, the Lord leads them. Who wants to just roll with the Lord? Everybody else laughed. Maybe uh, we need to get back to Acts chapter 1 again, like the kids said. Who wants to roll where the Lord takes you? Okay, now let's just move forward here just for a moment. It goes on to say, Philip went, Philip, oh, let's talk about Philip. By the way, Philip's not an apostle. Philip didn't even talk about at this point being an evangelist, for that matter. Philip was just a dude that handed out stuff to widows in the church. That's it. You mean he wasn't one of the leaders of the church? No. He was on the sub-sub committee. 
He was. He was on the subcommittee underneath witness or fellowship or whoever, along with Stephen and a handful of other guys, five other guys, who we find out in Acts chapter 6, were spirit-filled and God moved mightily through them and they performed many miracles and did amazing things. Wait a minute, all they did was give out food. Exactly. But they knew the who. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't have to be a preacher. I don't have to be on the uh, chairman of the board. No. In fact, I sometimes think the Lord really likes taking somebody who, like a Gideon and say, hey, how can I use this person? So, guys, Philip was just your, your guy next door who got to know Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And here's the cool part about Philip. He was at, we even find out in Acts chapter, I think it's 21, he ends up with four daughters, unmarried daughters who were prophets. My guess is they were unmarried because most guys were a little scared about the fact that they were prophets. Could you imagine that? <laughs> Boy, they'd be calling their bluff left and right. It's scary, huh? No, he had four daughters who were prophets. This was just the guy next door, Philip. But Philip gets scattered along with the rest of them. So he went down to a city in Samaria, everybody say Samaria, and proclaimed the Messiah there. It doesn't say he rented out a big hall and he got a bunch of chairs and lighting and everything. No, he proclaimed who? Everywhere he went. Everybody say Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Folks, I think it was Richard you were sharing with me yesterday. He, he, he enjoys watching NASCAR. I'm sure many of you do. And I, one of the races up in California, they had the prayer beforehand. But the, this guy prayed this. He said, uh, he concluded the prayer uh, instead of, like many of the other ones, saying the name of Jesus. He said, in your many names. There's a problem. Now, I mean, if we're talking about Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, and, you know, okay, it's fine. Well, I think we knew where he was going with that. The problem is there is only one name. And what is that name? Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, when the crowds heard Philip, Mr. Next-Door Guy here, and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention. By the way, where are we right now? What country? Samaria. What do we know about Samaria? Uh, This was northern Israel, the northern country, uh, Israel, that uh, really had been conquered even before Judah, uh, carried off the few remnants that were left, intermingled and married with foreigners, which was against God's law, basically turned their back, had their own form of Judaism mixed in with all sorts of foreign religions. It was a mess. So when the kingdom started to come back together, we hit the New Testament, you have the Jewish nation and the Samaritans. And the Samaritans just looked at, or the Jews looked at the Samaritans with disdain, treated them like second-class citizens. They were just, uh. And, of course, the Samaritans wanted no part with the Jews because of that. So they were really, there was a lot of, a lot of issues there. And, um, in fact, many times Jews would go the long way around to get to Jerusalem or whatever just to avoid going through Samaritan territory. Yet we find these Jews, these believing Jews, these Christians now, being pressed into Samaria. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs performed, they paid close attention to what he said. Why is that significant? Because here's a Jew. Who do we also know in John chapter 4? Somebody showed up at a well in Samaria. Jesus. 
And he and she she wasn't having any part of that lady wasn't having any part with him until he started to say some things that were a bit miraculous. Then she paid close attention. Spirit-filled. How did Jesus minister? In the Holy Spirit on earth. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. I like this. We just had mass persecution, and what's verse 8 say? There was great joy in the city. When the Holy Spirit moves, it don't matter what's going on. If we're being led, there is great joy. Who's hearing that right now? Okay, great joy. So what's, what's going on here, okay? Well, here's the bottom line. We're saying Samaria here, right? Matthew chapter 10, Jesus instructed his disciples to go and share the gospel, but he, he, he told them in a couple places, he said, don't go to the Gentiles, don't you dare set foot in Samaria. What? Yeah, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 10. Don't go to Samaria, but then what did Jesus do in John chapter 4? He went to Samaria. He went there first. Everybody say, Jesus went first. Jesus went first, and he met that lady there at the well, and she's questioning him, but guess what? Uh, Jesus had some great plans. Five chapters later, John chapter 9, he sends forth, uh, trying to get some things set up in Samaria where he could stay, and they reject Jesus. Everybody say, reject. They rejected Jesus. So at this point, you think, oh, it's all over for Samaria. But then in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus said, don't go, then he went, then they rejected him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, I'm going to make you my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Okay? So he's got that. And so what we have happening is Acts chapter 8, Cindy's sneezing. Remember, I'll tell you what. Fewer people, I'm going to call you on stuff. <laughs> that was a lot louder than normal, Cindy. Acts chapter 8, Philip went to Samaria. Philip went. <laughs> Who? Philip goes in, he preaches Jesus, he does miracles, people listen. Great joy. Whose ministry did it sound like? Jesus' ministry. Philip's ministry looked just like Jesus' ministry because his message was all about who? The cross of Jesus, the need for it, man's sin, looming judgment, Jesus' redemptive work. He simply preached the gospel, and joy filled the city, a place that hated Jews because the Jews hated them. Joy filled the city. See, folks, here's the thing. It's all about God's timing. This is why it's so important, so important to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because I see time after time people going, unless the Holy Spirit leads you in a situation, there's a good chance you need to evaluate that you're not, you yourself are not operating in your own strength. Even if it looks really good. Even if it looks really good, you need to allow the Lord to set things up. Because when the Lord sets things up, greater things, fruitful things, godly things will happen. Amen? So, what was going on? Why did Jesus say, don't go? Because he wanted to go first. He wanted to exhibit what ministry in Samaria was going to look like. And then even though they rejected him, he said, no, 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 I'm sending you as my witnesses. So he sends Philip, who then replicates the ministry of Jesus. Folks, who are ministers here? Who are the ministers of the gospel in this house? I better see every believer's hand up. If you are a minister of the gospel, that means your ministry doesn't look like your ministry. It looks like whose? Jesus' ministry. 
empowered by the Holy Spirit. Is everybody getting this? So here's the cool part. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to make you my witnesses. Denise, you're going to be my witness. You're going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay? Phase number one. We're going to hit Jerusalem, and we're going to share Jesus. Guess what's going to happen? Persecutions will break out. So, phase number two. Persecution breaks out. Why? Because some are going to go to Judea. Some are going to go to Samaria. You following me? Hey, you mean God had this all planned out? Phase three, into the ends of the earth. What happens? What's happening now? We're in phase three. When you let the Holy Spirit move, even the most horrendous situations, when you let him lead you, the most horrendous situation will always come out beautifully. And I don't mean that, you know, people will die. Look, I'm talking about fruit. I'm talking about long-term fruit. Eternal fruit. Godly fruit. So here we got Holy Spirit moving in the midst of persecution, and the gospel still gets further. Holy Spirit power is greater than persecution. How many know that? Holy Spirit power, and then the Holy Spirit wasn't discouraged, he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't even stepping back on the mission. Society was not going to stop him. He was going to get it accomplished. Amen? So, here we got Philip down there in Samaria. Now, while he's down there, he runs into this gentleman, Simon the Sorcerer. A lot has been written about Simon. Some uh, church historians call him Simon Magnus. They say he was the founder of Gnosticism, on and on and on and on. That's, that could be, that may not, who knows. But what I do know is this. How many people here, uh, hear many times in our society, people saying, uh, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. How many have heard that? You know, I, I'm, I'm spiritual. Spiritual is a big thing in this society. You follow me? I think, I, I think one of our candidates here recently said he's hoping that the whole U.S. will become a spiritual nation. I'm sitting back going, oh, nice. That's not a reflection on him, but that's where society is. Because guess what? I can be spiritual and still be going to hell. I can be spiritual and be missing the boat completely. I can be spiritual and be a complete and utter vessel of Satan. Who hears that? Okay. So we have Simon, who is a spiritual person. He did miracles. He did amazing things. I don't know if they were pulling rabbits out of hat or he was making people disappear, making sicknesses disappear. My guess it was probably miraculous-looking things. And this city was all about Simon. They even thought he was a god, folks. They even thought he was a possible god. And then here comes our next-door neighbor, Philip, operating in the Holy Spirit power and starts to do stuff. And guess who gets, uh, guess who nobody's talking about now? Simon. Now here's the difference. Simon was doing all these things and then always giving himself the glory. Philip was doing amazing things and always giving God the glory. That's the difference between a spiritual person and a follower of Jesus. It's either all about you or it's all about him. And in Holy Spirit power, we're called to be all about him. Who's awake with me right now? You need to shake a neighbor next to you here. See, here's the thing. The supernatural. Supernatural includes the demonic and satanic forces and Holy Spirit power. Everybody understand that? So supernatural. Now, here's the thing. Simon thought he possessed supernatural power. It was obviously satanic power, but he thought he possessed that. But here's the problem. 
not any human being on earth can possess supernatural power. Supernatural power always possesses the human being. Does everybody understand that? You can't possess it like you can manipulate it and make it happen. No, supernatural power always possesses the human being. So this is what the whole thing was. God wanted to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Satan can only counterfeit it, so he gets demons out there to do what? Counterfeit what the Holy Spirit can do by, by, by possessing people and, do, and using them accordingly. So here Simon thinks he's doing all these great things and all conjuring people and healing Aaron and healing Harley and, 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 and making, hi Ramona, making Ramona walk again because she hasn't been able to walk. You know, those kind of things. Wow. But the problem is that wasn't from God. It was satanic power. Simon, and we'll find out later at the end of this, out of his own brokenness had tapped into darkness. Simon, out of something that happened in his life, tapped into darkness. But he thought he could control it and actually did what? Controlled him. So here comes Philip. Suddenly Simon's a tree because nobody's paying attention to him, and obviously the things Philip is doing is really unbelievable stuff. And lives are being transformed. Wow. So we don't know if Simon ever actually became a believer or not. Some would say yes, some would say no. I would probably lean more to the, uh, the fact that I don't think Simon truly understood what it was to be a believer because I think he was focused on him. Okay? So we move along here. And, 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 and in his desire to be something, along come Peter and the apostles, some of the apostles, and they, they lay their hands on, on, on the Samaritans, and the Samaritans are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're believers, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what Simon says? Hey, how much will you take? How much can I give you to get that power? How much money can I pay to get that Holy Spirit power to do what you just did? Here again, Simon thinks you can possess. What does God want to do? He wants to possess. You understand the difference there? And so here's the issue. When it's all about us, we want to be in control. When it's all about God, we let him be in control. Who here loves it when God's in control of your entire life? Oh, come on now. Hello. Nice thought at first until I start calling out certain things. Ooh, yikes, I remember. Yeah. Uh, it's tough because our flesh does not like to be controlled. Our flesh hates being controlled. Sin. But God wants to possess you with his Holy Spirit. Amen? So here's the thing. In his desire to be something, he offered the Holy Spirit, uh, he, he offered to buy that power. And here's the problem. He didn't understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force that we can manipulate for our own selfish needs. He's God himself, which we are to submit to, be filled by, and led by. Amen? And here's the bottom line. We can't even fulfill our mission to, to, to do what Jesus did without the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know why we kid ourselves, why I kid myself. We can't manipulate the Holy Spirit to operate the way we think he should. Anybody say, God, you need to do it this way. Who's ever said that? Come on. God, you need to do it this way. Of course we do that because our flesh doesn't like to be controlled. We like to control. We like to possess. We don't want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. We think he should do it a certain way. We 
think you should do this. We think, but it is not about us. When we move in our own strength, it always glorifies who? Us. But when we move in His power, it gives Him the glory. So what I love is this. Peter doesn't go, that's an awful motive, Simon. You just want to make it all about yourself. Did Peter say that? And he said, no. I sense that your heart is not right and you have, you have a gall of bitterness. You have a heart of bitterness. And what Peter was getting at was this. Simon, you are trying to protect you and make it all about you. And God wants to make it all about him and make you all about him. And he wants to set you free. And he wants to see you saved. And but you're making it all about you and everything you can do and possess and control and all this. And, and why don't you pray to God? Why don't you pray to God? And he says, maybe he'll forgive you. No, it's not because God might not. It's that Simon might not. Does everybody understand that? Simon might not. Simon's still trying to make it all about him. And see, there are people that are hurting. There are people that are hurting in our world that that still protect themselves and make life about themselves. They don't realize how broken they are inside. And so that bitterness just gets a hold of them. See, Peter didn't mess around with the motive. He got to the heart of the issue. He said, you know what? Simon, you're full of sin. But God wants to set you free. Seek Him. Seek Him. See, here we have it again. You cannot do the mission of Jesus, that Jesus has given you without who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit possessing you. You cannot possess Him. The salvation, which Peter was laying before the, uh, Simon, is about God changing the heart. The heart of stone replaced in the heart of flesh. Make it tender toward God, making you a new creation. We can't do enough or be enough to be saved. How, how many know that you can't do enough to be saved? How many have tried to do the right thing and failed miserably? There's not enough of you here to yell at me. You try to do the right thing and you fail. Either because what you did ended up not being the right thing, or because the harder you try to do the right thing, you ended up doing the wrong thing. Anyway. God, Jesus died for our failures and our sins. And I heard, I was sharing with, with Lane today, I read this today, and it's kind of knocked me around, I'm still thinking about it. But grab hold of this with me just for a moment. Okay, don't miss this. Grace, not getting what we should. Grace is not a license for any of us to sin. But I'm going to tell you what, grace is the only answer to any kind of sin. And until you understand and receive the, the grace that God has for you and for me, we're going to always end up making it all But when we have our mindset changed to the point, and I'm, I'm speaking directly what I read today, this is still having to be processed in this head of mine here, to drop into this heart of mine. When we receive the grace of Jesus and realize that He already died for our life, then we can start seeing ourselves being transformed. How many like to beat themselves up over every sin you commit? How many know that's not actually biblical? What? Hold on. Divide the church. No, really. No, we're not. Grace should not be used as a license to sin, but I'm going to tell you what. We will continue to sin until we realize. We will continue to battle sin until we realize that grace is the only way of receiving His grace, His love, and His mercy to overcome that sin. That's it. Who gets that? Let it keep sinking in there for a moment, okay? Now, let's just finish up here with Philip in the Ethiopian 8, 26 through 40. Philip, 
He's already done some cool things here in Samaria, and I love this. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of, of, of the city. sometimes, Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone into Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. What's verse 29 say? The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Remember what I said about the Holy Spirit filling you, empowering you, and leading you? Great example. Did Philip go out looking for just anybody? No. The Lord says, go to thus and such a road. Okay? Do you see that guy over there? I see him. Go stand next to him. Okay, I will. I'm going to tell you now, maybe the Spirit doesn't speak to everybody in that way, but I do know that those who are far more open to hearing the Spirit oftentimes do experience this kind of thing, this leading. How many people sometimes feel like you're just randomly trying to figure something out? You know, who do I preach to? Who do, I, who do I go to? Let me go in the grocery store, run up and down the aisles, and, and, and see who I can talk to. And, or do we say, all right, Lord, who's next? Because how many people have shared with somebody whose heart, whose heart was very hard to what you had to say? Well, what's the Holy Spirit like to do? Prepare that heart so when you speak, if they don't respond immediately, something did get in you follow? Wouldn't it be a lot easier to do the work of Jesus if we already knew that that was in place? You following me? Okay, Holy Spirit. Who do you want me to share? It's not a question of whether or not I share Jesus. It's who. Well, it says go into all the world. That's right. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into all the world. Who? Or whom? Could be several. Could be many. Then there are those who have the gift of evangelism, but they open their mouth and everybody with an earshot, something happens. But every one of us have called to share Jesus. All in favor say aye. There we go. We agree with them. We have all been called to share Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us to do this. I mean, we see in verse 26, call an angel of the Lord, but there was a spiritual, supernatural thing happening there. Go to the road. Stand next to this man. We're going to find in verse 39, after he shares with this man, it says, suddenly Philip is whisked away. That would be interesting. Brother George shared Jesus with somebody that gets saved, and then suddenly he's gone. That would be some cool, supernatural stuff. Salvation and transportation. Pretty amazing. You know, we have this Ethiopian out in the middle of nowhere. He was a eunuch. For those of you who don't know what a eunuch is, for the sake of the children sitting in there, I'm not going to go into what a eunuch is other than go look it up. Basically, uh, a king would hire a man to watch after the queen and the harem, but he also wanted that man to be someone that's not going to cause any issues. 
Now, here's a man from a pagan country, godless country, okay, who had, uh, you know, all these things, but actually had a very high-ranking job. Eunuchs were very high-ranking. They were very distinguished in the country, that Ethiopian country. He was a high-level high level dude. But he came into Jerusalem. Something drew him. He came to worship. What? Yes, he came to worship in Jerusalem from a godless country. Well, who? why would he do that? Who was drawing him? The Holy Spirit. Who drew that woman to the well that day when Jesus showed up? The Holy Spirit. You following me? And so, here he is in an in, 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 in that country, Jewish country, he would have been considered the lowest, some of the lowest of the low, because the law says that any man who would do something that would make him a eunuch um, was not even allowed in the temple courts. So that, you know, the law, and, and in their mind, would be the lowest of the low. But isn't that just like God? Let's connect with somebody that's completely different than you, Philip. Somebody that maybe before me, before you came to know me, you would have never hung out with. But here's the bottom line. God wants to reach people. Amen? God wants to reach all people, including those people that really annoy you. Everybody get that person in your mind right now. Those people that frustrate you and make you angry and have hurt you and done terrible things, and you are struggling to forgive them. God wants them saved. God wants them saved, and he may want to use you to get them there. How many like those prospects? Boy, it gets quiet when we do these things. God wants all people to be saved, including those we may not choose to associate with. Everybody needs who? Jesus. So are you going to be the one to keep him from that person? Are you going to be the one to keep him, keep Jesus from that person? Because you're upset at them or they hurt you. Are you going to be that one? See, yeah, we need to be sensitive to cultural differences, sure. We need to be sensitive to those, but we cannot change the gospel to meet those differences. Yes, be sensitive to differences, but we can't change the word of God because of those differences. Just to fit the culture. It's the same for all people. Let me ask a couple quick questions. If they're you, raise your hand. I have sinned. I needed a savior. Jesus is the only way. I am saved by the blood of Jesus, by his redemptive work. Okay, that was everybody pretty much in here. Does that go for everybody in the world? Yes. We have got to take, we've got to have that looking, that perception. They may not have received it, but we've got to understand, we've got to look at that. We're all sinners here. So I'm a Christian, you're not. No, that does not make me better. Because there's nothing that I can make myself better. I just have one who lives in me that is better. You understand that? And I want to share him with you. I heard about a story. A man who went to uh, a Christian mission who had cataracts, had been blind for years because of the cataracts. And Christian doctors would come and they would offer their services for free and they had the cataracts removed. And the man could suddenly see. And the very next day, the Christian doctor who had operated on him is looking out the window and sees this man holding a rope with, uh, I don't even remember how many they said, blind people with the same issue he had behind him holding the rope, leading them to this doctor. Why would he do that? He wanted people to be able to what? So, when we really get serious about the fact that this life is not about us, it's about Jesus transforming us, 
and wanting to do great things. We have settled for so little in the church. He wants to do great things. He wants to do amazing things in all of us. When we have settled for so little, because we're still making it about us so often. No, possess me, Lord. Possess me. And as he possesses me, guess what? I want to take what he's doing in me and get a hold of Aaron and take him to Jesus. And I want to get a hold of Rick and get a hold of Dirk and, 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 and get a hold of Megan. I want to take them to Jesus because of what he's done in me. And really, that's what these guys did. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to do so. So we know that God wants to save sinners. Amen? He wants to save sinners. I love it. It says that at, at the very end, if you move over uh, to 36... As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, how many of us, because of our frustrations with people, might be what stands in the way? What could stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, (laughs) this is cool, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Anybody remember Star Trek? Beam me up, Scotty. I'd l- I wish they had an extra sentence saying what the u- eunuch did after he realized that the dude who just baptized him was suddenly not there. Philip, however, oh, I'm sorry. The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. I guess it didn't mean all that much because the guy wasn't there, because who did the eunuch now have? Jesus, Holy Spirit. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. See, God wants to save sinners. He wants to use us to bring the message. Raise your hand if God wants to use you to share the, to share Jesus. All of us. Yes. So, here's my question. Whom is the Holy Spirit put in front of you? Whom is the Holy Spirit put in front of you, church? Who? See, we must be led. We must be empowered. And we must be moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who today... Who today would you have me go to? Who today would you have me share you? Remember, Philip didn't share tons of stuff. He wasn't even a biblical scholar, for crying out loud. He was this guy that lived next door that got filled by by the Holy Spirit, came to Jesus, got filled by the Holy Spirit, and it says whenever he went to Samaria, what did he do? He preached Jesus. That's it. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. His name's Jesus. I received him. Amen? So who's he put in front of you on? Who's he put in front of me? I don't know if you've read the newsletter, and I just made mention of some things that oftentimes the churches of today really get involved. Uh, wrong thinking regarding uh, evangelism. One, you know, preachers should do it. Leaders should do it. No, actually, you know who the best evangelists in the church are? You guys. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't want to make us about the messenger. I want to make us about him. And if I'm the only one sharing Jesus, many times it becomes about the messenger. But when we're all sharing Jesus, it starts to become about the message. You hear that? How many evangelists we got in the house here? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Any interest we're talking about sharing Jesus with the world on 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 a possibly the least attended day of the year? And that's okay, because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has here today who He wants. You hear that? He's speaking to you all. Holy Spirit, who do I share Jesus with today? Set it up. I'll just do it. 
instead of coming up with five different ways to share the gospel and not be afraid. Holy Spirit, set it up. I'll just do it. Go to this road. Share this, okay? I'll I'll end with one story real quick. Keep going here and we can do our 3rd of July, 4th of July celebrations. There's a ministry out in California that spends... uh, they, they, they practice of spending time. I say practice because it, it doesn't require practice. He's good for the Lord, Holy Spirit. Who do you want us to share? Who do you want us to? Uh, who do you want us to share? And uh, <laughs> they got this. Uh, what they did is they started to get a sense of what most people were saying. One person wrote the word old down. And then somebody else wrote uh, something else down and, and just a, a sense of what they got. But really sense like it was this too. And got, so they got in the car and they said, okay, we're not really sure what we're looking for here. But we do have an idea of what road we're supposed to be on. I think that was one of the things they got. And uh, we got this sense... You know, we got this sense that it's supposed to, the Holy Spirit just making this word old. Well, they got to the road, they're looking around, and they don't see anything that says old or anybody that looks old or anything of that nature. Then they looked over, and they saw the cold stone. You know what I'm talking about? Cold stone. Funny thing was, the lights were out on the sea. And it said old. And they went over. They just sat down at the table in front, and there sitting there was a, a, a young girl, distraught, broken, and they happened to be the first ones to carry Jesus to the I was on video. It was really interesting. I watched it here a couple of years ago. That was just one neat experience. You say, Holy Spirit, set it up, Lord. I'll do it. Anybody here today say that? Set it up, Holy Spirit. I'll do it. Set it up. Maybe he won't show you the word old. He might even not even show you the right road. But he's certainly going to open things up. Amen? So Holy Spirit, set it up. And Lord, you know in my heart who it is that I want to see come and know you. So I'm going to keep praying for them. And there's a good chance that the Lord has you praying for them. He wants to set it up. Amen? So Lord, I just ask you to just show us as a church how to do that more and more. We seek you, Holy Spirit, in fulfilling this mission. We seek you in fulfilling the mission of Jesus. We're not going to make it about us. We're not going to say, oh, we got the Holy Spirit. We're going to use it to manipulate our own means. No. Possess us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Use us. Set up what you want to set up so we can accomplish it. God, you are good. And we love you and thank you. What I want you to do right now is just have you stand. And as you're standing, I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit right where you're at. Who, Lord? In the next day or two, who? Lead me. Prepare me. Maybe he won't even give you the who, but he'll give you the what. Or he'll give you the where. The Holy Spirit, just lead me. I am yours to use. That many would come in with Jesus. We surrender ourselves to Thank you. Praise you, God.
Lord, we love you. We give you praise. Again, we just lift Janet to you right now. Holy Spirit, you're with her in that room right now. You're with Wenda. You're with Bev. Uh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for accomplishing amazing things in her. In Jesus' name. Lord, we don't know why that happened this morning, but, Lord, we're going to thank you that you're going to turn it around for something awesome. In Jesus' name. Lord, we continue to lift Burr Burger to you. We thank you. We don't understand what's happening. But, God, you are going to move in might and in power in the midst of those things. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Fill us. Lead us. Empower us. In Jesus' holy name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen.